I'm Tara Sanders, registered yoga teacher, and this is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Uh, I guess I'd say that my biggest pet peeve with the supplement or wellness industry is just the idea that A, one size fits all, and that it also has to be almost discriminated against the quote-unquote general masses or the public. That supplements and wellness and yoga should not just be for the rich or the skinny. I want these products to be available to everyone in a safe and adaptable way. Welcome to the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Neil. I'm the Big Mouth Pharmacist. I'm a pretty sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional, a holistic pharmacist here to talk about everything wellness, weed, and Woodstock. We broadcast from the most famous small town in America, where I hold court as the town's family pharmacist who tries to get people off their medicines and onto a wellness program free of the BS and misinformation of the natural products industry. Our guest today is known locally here in the Woodstock and surrounding areas, but her message is a global one. Tara Sanders is a trauma-informed yoga teacher and educator. She's currently working with the Ulster County Crime Victims Assistance Program and developing trauma-informed yoga programming that is available for free to sexual assault survivors, anyone supporting survivors, and even professionals working to support survivors with their healing. She's on the advisory board of Exhale to Inhale, a nonprofit organization that brings yoga to survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault in New York and Los Angeles through free weekly classes at shelters and community-based organizations. Now, don't worry. This sounds like it's going to be a heavy conversation, but it's not in neither Tara nor my nature to stay in that zone for very long at all. So I hope you enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) So, So Tara, you're a yoga instructor. Are you loose and ready to go here for this podcast? I woke up like this, did my yoga breathing, felt my feet on the ground, shook out my yayas. I am ready and excited to be here. <laughs> uh, can we start out with what the heck is a yaya? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is you there know. a medical term for that? Is that? I don't know. You're the pharmacist, I'm so sorry. you would probably know better than me. So let's let's introduce everybody to you, um, Tara Saunders, your registered yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And so what? brings you what why did I ask you of all the yoga teachers in the area to come talk to me what is it that you do that's so unique and special tell me why you're special well you know it's funny because with yoga we are all interconnected and so it's kind of not necessarily about me but one of the things that I really specialize in is a form of yoga called trauma-informed yoga that's it so one of the main differences between trauma-informed yoga and more traditional yoga that many of us are used to practicing in studios gyms etc is we use a style of language called invitational language so something that's really interesting is we use no hands on assist invitational language and it's really an opportunity for survivors of trauma and that could be a whole multitude of trauma you know, anywhere from me. Just turning on the news. We live in a society that we're kind of traumatized. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, but I, I specifically work with survivors of sexual assault, domestic intimate partner violence, those in the LGBTQA community, those in recovery from substance abuse. And we offer this practice as a way for people to really return home to their bodies. Yeah. A lot of people who've had trauma have had dissociation, flashbacks, uh, really activated in that sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight. Yeah. So really what I'm offering is a safe an invitational way for people to connect with their breath and their body in the present moment. Wow. So it's not the traditional yoga where we're doing the relaxation and we're more focused on the fitness. This is yoga for fitness and for mental health as well. Correct. And again, we're traditionally using some of the same postures, but even using the word pose is something that we kind of avoid. We use shapes, we use other kind of cues and languaging because we really want it to be a safe and an invitational space for all. And some of the stuff that we were already speaking of really was like, if you can practice yoga, like you can breathe. Everyone 
this practice is available for everyone to meet everyone where they're at. Yeah. And so it's really an inclusive, safe space for everyone. I've taught senior citizens in chairs. I've taught people with other disabilities and handicaps, um, all ages, all shapes, all sizes. I really kind of have become a cheerleader uh, for practicing, you know, if you can breathe, you can practice yoga. Yeah, I mean, the, the, so we, our spin on the podcast is the misinformation in the health and wellness space. And I kind of feel like the misinformation, there's two bits of misinformation, I think. The, the biggest one, though, is the one that's told inside of our own heads mm-hmm. about who can and should not do yoga. Of course. Right. So, um, you know, me, uh, should I be practicing yoga? I mean, do I have the physique for it? Is that something that I should be doing? Well, like, first of all, I think many, many. Why years did you later. avert your eyes? Why no, no. did you look up? Because I was looking at her smile. I was looking at her smiling. I was looking right. at Dana's smiling. Just making sure that you weren't going to like tear up at my. No, 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 no. That's why we have <laughs> my dad. Bod. That's why we have tissues. On. Okay. Uh, no, I've had moms and dads of all ages, shapes, and sizes practice yoga. Yeah. And again, first of all, I also want to say to me in my brain, this is like a lesson I learned in therapy when I was in my early twenties. To me, should is a dirty word that and that's just personally me so we did talk about kind of seeing some of the comparisons instagram yogis and stuff along those lines yeah and really a quote that i really carry with me and embody is comparison is the thief of joy so while i'm a proponent of everyone sharing their yoga and it's not my place to say oh if you practice yoga to look good and fit on a beach that's less valid than what i'm sharing like everyone is free. Well, I mean, that gets into my big misinformation <laughs> yeah. piece, and I know that you get irritated with it a little bit, is that this this celebrity yoga stuff that goes on on social media, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you type in health and wellness and you look out there, the, the guys on social media mm-hmm. have like the high and tight, the beards, yeah. and they're working out in the gym, yeah. or the girls are like, you know, unfortunately scantily clad, and then they're doing yoga poses on the beach. Mm-hmm. And so somebody looking at social media and thinking about yoga, like, I don't look like that person. Mm-hmm. And 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 it really could probably create a barrier for some people, I think. But you know, from a a, a healthy yoga practice, I'm overweight people. Uh, you know, they I would feel that they would feel too ashamed to go mm-hmm. and participate in yoga. So mm-hmm. so you know, so what do you do to kind of combat that in your messaging? I guess. So. Yeah. So one of the things that I did say to you uh, when we spoke before this podcast was I very much want everyone to feel that. Their yoga practice is valid and equally as um, legitimate as everyone else's. And like I said, yeah. my kind of message is if you can breathe, you can practice yoga. And if yeah. you've lost any sort of disconnection with your breath, like, let's just start there. Yeah. And really, I, I think I said, if you go onto my social media, while I personally love hip-hop dance, love running, love a strong physical practice, like I said, I have a lot of yayas and energy, yes. I never really post any of those pictures, especially, that, that again, that's because that's what I'm representing. I represent being able to share trauma-informed yoga with everyone and anyone. Yeah. And while I do have a strong physical practice, and even in the last year, I've taken up weight training at the gym, yeah. I really want to share my myself, my kind of quote unquote public image, and that's a whole nother like what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Yeah, right? what does that even mean, my public image? Who am I? Yeah, who am I? You know, that's that existential question. That I really want people when they see me to never feel that like what I have accomplished is unattainable or out of their reach. And yeah. I mean that goes more towards kind of some of the stuff that we've spoken about. It's like as a survivor of trauma myself, I have healed 
through the support of this community, yeah. through the practice of yoga. You know, yeah. that was one of the first practices that actually helped really bring me into the present moment. Yeah. Because people with PTSD or any sort of trauma, again, whether it be physical, having been in a car accident, whether it be sexual assault, domestic violence, any other sort of developmental trauma, often are living in this kind of ping pong between past, future, past, future. So for me, yoga has been a really beautiful opportunity to get physically strong on and off of my mat. And that's also something that I really do try to share in my yoga classes. You know, I do my best to kind of quote unquote practice what I preach. And yoga for me isn't just about the stretching and the getting strong and fit. It is the mental capability to be able to face adversity off of your mat as well. And kind of speaking back and circling back to that Instagram or celebrity yogis, like if you can do a handstand on the beach, namaste to you. I'm so happy for you. Right. But A, I never want anyone just to see those pictures and A, feel Actually, first of all, just kind of try to achieve that. And then, you know, that's where a lot of things, a lot of people get injured just kind of imitating things. Yeah. And then the other thing as well, I never want anyone to feel that they can't practice. Everybody is a yoga body. Yeah. You know, equally, like I said, valid. Everyone has the ability to move their body in a safe way, using their choice, using their breath. And, you know, if you can do a handstand on a beach, cool. (laughs) But if the stories that you're telling yourself in the mirror every day are unkind, if you're unkind to the person in the checkout line or having road rage, which again, I am not immune to any of that. I have, I have hard days as well. We're all human. We're all human. But that, you know, that's really kind of the yoga on and off of the mat. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning now that we've gone through the middle. um, How do you come to trauma-informed yoga? What's your story? Okay. So the interesting thing about sharing my story is that it is something that I've become pretty okay with sharing in terms of my adversity, my childhood, and where I came from. But interestingly enough, a lot of the meditation and therapeutic techniques and therapies that I've received actually has done away with a lot of, I once had a therapist ask me, what are you without your story? So it's been a really interesting kind of balance and practice, kind of being a face for certain causes publicly that I care very deeply about, but also realizing that that's not me, that trauma is not my resting place. Yeah. So I grew up in Woodstock, New York, born and raised. I actually was born literally down the road, wasn't born in a hospital. Yay, happy home birth of the 80s. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, and so I grew up in this town, and my father, who was a very wonderfully educated, intelligent man with master's in special ed and did great things, had an opioid addiction. So I grew up with a lot of adversity in my home, in my childhood. That was something that I really kind of kept secret, kind of under the rug, under the covers. Unfortunately, he did pass away from an opioid overdose when Mm. I was 12. Wow. In the late 90s on his birthday, actually. So that was really something that kind of some scarcely from a yoga perspective really was kind of an anchoring of my trauma. And then there was also some other experiences in our community, um, survivor of childhood sexual abuse. That's something that I'm, you know, I can can sit here now and say that without kind of a quivering or without tears because it's something, again, in my early 30s, I've processed deeply through the practices of somatic experiencing therapies, through yoga, through all of these things. And also just insane kind of me too and more awareness in the landscape being brought to the attention of these. Yes. I realize I am not alone. I mean, the statistics are what the statistics are. In no way. Are in, you in no way, shape, or form. You know, I mean, I actually have some statistics here. I know the um, United States Center Department of Justice says every 98 seconds somebody is sexually assaulted. And that one in three women and one in seven men as well will be... Um, a victim or a survivor of intimate partner violence in their lifetime. So this is a really a public health crisis. This affects all communities, all ages, races, colors, socioeconomics, 
sexual preferences, orientation. One of the things that one of my when we were talking mm-hmm. uh, in in studio before, my staff brought to my attention is that there's like a whole crop of people that probably have. Um, had minor experiences mm-hmm. or even just sorrow or, mm-hmm. or just general pain, but mm-hmm. they don't like feel like it deserves the title of trauma, mm-hmm. right? And then they don't seek the help and they, and they don't seek uh, the, the professionals that they need to help them unpack and, mm-hmm. and move on from that and, and just live more in the moment. So I think the nice thing here is that the, using yoga as a, a mechanism is a very accessible way for people to start down that path. So mm-hmm. I think that that is an important thing. So, so, how, so what was your healing process and how did you end up getting to yoga and then now becoming the, a teacher of it? Yeah, so I am very thankful. Thankfully, I have an amazing mother, and she was always a practitioner of yoga and Tibetan Buddhism and meditation. So I kind of grew up steeped in that already. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's interesting, and we can circle back to that later, talking about the adverse childhood experiences study that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And what's really amazing is that I did have a lot of support and a lot of grounding resources in my childhood. While I did have trauma, as many of us do, going on in my life as well, So I had these traumatic experiences happen to me. And like many, I just kind of put my head down. I didn't really tell anyone. And also learning later in life that that's often kind of a a byproduct. You know, children don't tell. They're kind of victimized. They're told not to say anything. Yeah. So for me, I just kind of overcompensated in my youth. I got high honor roll. I had a full scholarship to college, which I actually didn't finish. I walked away from that. And uh, my healing journey has just been... I went to a traditional talk therapy. I then realized that for me, getting into my body and really healing on a more cellular somatic level was really the kind of the key to my healing. So getting into the yoga practice, as I said before, which was one of the first experiences that really helped me get into the present moment. Mm -hmm. To be standing on a yoga mat or standing in your head or doing any sort of arm balance, it's really hard to think about the past or future. It's really a wonderful place to kind of lasso the mind and bring the mind in to the present moment. I also was living in India on and off since 2012, where I participated in a multitude of somatic therapies and meditations. And that really, I would say, was the key to my own healing in my late 20s. -hmm. And then when I moved back in the late 2000s, I thought, hey, you know, there's this quote, service is the rent we pay for living on the earth. So Mm -hmm. I was like, how can I be most effective? So it almost came naturally. It's like, this helped me. I have to pay it forward. And so I got into my yoga teacher training. I knew from day one that I kind of wanted to be, as I said, the cheerleader for bringing yoga to diverse, unique, different populations. My first yoga teaching job was with LGBT homeless youth in Mm. New York City and West Village. I also worked um, at an outpatient mental health clinic offering my services in Poughkeepsie, New York, or a day center for people with um, some mental health issues, as well as a domestic violence shelter in Poughkeepsie. So really, I just thought this has helped me. Why not share it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How does the practice of, of yoga uh, transform into this trauma-informed yoga? What what specific things make it so different? And mm-hmm. and is it something that anybody can do, or is it something that only like people that participate in these specific classes uh, need to know? Mm-hmm. So. So with regards to in terms of just the participants, you know, who we have in the classes, like I said, everyone has some sort of trauma. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I really do my best to make my classes inclusive and open to all. Yeah. So really the main difference is that you would notice in some of my classes, there are no hands-on assists. We use something, as I said, called invitational language. And it's really an opportunity for people to connect with their body and their breath in the present moment. So let's talk about that. 
so I have never been to a yoga class. I know, yeah. I, yet, I know my yet. body. You've never been to a yoga class yet. That I obviously am am very physically fit and in tune with yoga training. <laughs> um, so in yoga class, typically what an instructor will do is like help somebody physically like hold the pose for them and, and put their hands on another person. So you make that clear distinction that we it's like a hands-off thing. And, Correct. Okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would talk about invitational. So Correct. explain that to me because I... I have had invitations before (laughs) and I know you're supposed to RSVP, (laughs) but I'm not too sure. RSVP to the yoga, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, some of the traditional differences. So think if you go to a yoga class or a quote unquote exercise class, you know, if they're instructing downward facing dog, some of the cues are like directional language, place hands down, firms arm up, you know, lift your thighs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So while I am giving some quote unquote alignment, asana, physical cues to keep people safe, you know, in terms of the knee over the ankle. What I say by invitational, it's really an opportunity for each practitioner to just make choices. Because again, if someone has had trauma of any form, oftentimes they feel like the choices have been taken away. Mm. So I'll be offering multiple options for my students or the clients or the practitioners to practice in a way that's safe and available for them. So I've had a room of 20 people. Some are practicing in a chair. Some are practicing all of the quote unquote suggestions or cues that I'm giving. Other are modifying to meet their needs. Mm-hmm. So the invitation is, let's just come together mm-hmm. in a safe way. You don't have to worry at any time that I'm going to come up behind you, touch you, alarm you. And that's the other things that are particular about trauma-informed yoga, the setup of the room, you know, so people can see the exit. Also not making any abrupt movements of, you know, walking through the students, anything like that. The lighting, the music, or the lack thereof music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cues. Like I said, telling someone to relax yeah. is often actually quite a trigger. Yeah. Never in the history of calm down has <laughs> right? calm down ever calmed down. Of course. Down it's like down. someone's like, breathing, calm down. Okay. No, yeah. That's not worried. So while I'm actually, you know, through my training – which is something that in addition to the traditional 200 and 500 hour yoga teacher trainings that I've participated in in New York City, I've trained extensively through the last five to seven years in a multitude of trauma-informed yoga trainings. So some of the differences between trauma-informed yoga and quote-unquote traditional yoga trainings, I have done my traditional hatha yoga, vinyasa yoga, and 200 and 500 hour, but I've trained extensively for the past seven years in a multitude of modalities that are very trauma-informed. So trauma-informed yoga trainings in which we learn about somatic psychology. We learn about the brain function and how that's affected by trauma. We learn about the physicality of how trauma manifests in the body. So it's just been a really interesting journey for me because Of course, I've gone into it. And as I've healed myself, I have more tools for resiliency to pay it forward and to share with my students. I think something that's really interesting about some of the main differences between trauma-informed yoga and other more traditional yogas, and I'm also super clear, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. It's like there's a multitude of pioneers that have paved the way for me, Mm -hmm. and I'm super, super humble and grateful and excited and thankful to have been able to move home to my hometown community Mm -hmm. and really be a conduit and be of service and be the change that I want to see in the world. Like if anything, at the end of the day, I'm like, I can die happy because I have created programming that I wish had been available to me and my family 20, 25 years ago. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. you should be proud of that. (laughs) um, So what what part of a treatment uh, program does your yoga come into play? Mm -hmm. So are you dealing with people new uh, to the trauma, just experience the trauma, or or is it people that are in healing and therapy for years? Like, mm-hmm. where do you, where 
do you, do you focus? Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting question. So a couple answers to that. So I have a private practice. So through that private practice, the way that people find me, either through word of mouth, either through referrals, I do work with a couple psychiatrists who refer patients to me. Mm-hmm. So those are people all along the spectrum of um, financial ability, physical ability, mental health ability. And really, like I said, the main thing is meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. So, And that can change day to day. I've worked with certain clients for multiple years, and I'll just always want to check in with them and see where they're at in healing. One of the great things that I do, I've partnered with Ulster County and the Crime Victims Assistance Program. Mm-hmm. And through 2017, we offer free trauma-informed yoga to the community throughout the county in multiple locations. Mm. And those classes are for survivors of sexual assault, those that are supporting survivors, and professionals helping them heal. So with regards to those public classes, it's really kind of a mixed bag. We have people that are in the acute phase, perhaps just had a sexual assault. You know, so they're very kind of hyperactive in right. their physicality and their classes. Yeah, hence all the restrictions and, and the, the tools you put in place to help them manage. Yeah, and it's, in- and it's interesting. I do really try to pay attention to my wording. Right. Like you even just restrictions. Said, I was going to say, I you know. even just mm-hmm. said restriction. I was like, I don't restrict my, I mean, my, my students are free to do kind of whatever they want in a safe and available way. Right. So really, if anything, it's just about choice making again and mm-hmm. again and again. And so with my clients, I have everyone who have been in therapy for a multitude of years. And again, as I said, who comes into my public classes, we have veterans, which is a very different kind of PTSD for some people than acute survivors of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. So really with the public classes that we offer, it's a mixed bag. So I think one of the things that's really important is staying grounded in my own practice. And that's something that I would also suggest to teachers as well. Because I have a lot of teachers and people come to me and people like yourself asking me questions like, hey, what is this trauma-informed yoga practice? I would say, have your own resources, have your own self-care again and again and again. And that's something that even being in this field for nearly a decade, I am always having to check in with myself and grow and ascertain like where can I be better and more effective for myself so I can be effective for my family, for the community that I serve. Right. I mean, part of all of this is for for me, the the point is to break down the the walls that have mm-hmm. been built up, the negative stigma mm-hmm. uh, in the American mental health system is, mm-hmm. is, is horrible. Men, mm-hmm. You know, even just saying to some of our own patients that are mm-hmm. w- much older than me that I, I, I see a shrink. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is uh, a mind blowing uh, thing for them. And people with trauma and the shame, you know, not knowing that these things are out there, um, you know, that really could set, set these people back. So I think it's very important that we, we, we have these kinds of conversations, of course. Now, so let's talk about um, besides the, the facilities and how um, everything is, is set up and, and the invitational language and, and everything that, that you said before, in the actual practice, in the stretching, uh, uh, what are you focusing on? Meditation, mindfulness, like mm-hmm. how it, and how does that come out? And then, you know, does that bridge to another like home-based meditative practice for these people? I would hope so, mm-hmm. right? But Yeah, so to mm-hmm. answer your question, so my, my county classes, which are the thing that is really kind of the rolling out of the trauma-informed yoga programming that we're offering in our community, the classes are structured. It's a 90-minute class. I often bring people into the practice by offering just really a grounding exercise. So that could be a multitude of different things we to week. So really, often a lot of the cues are really just coming into the physical sensations of the body. Often, as we were speaking about, people who have had trauma get very into either ruminating or dissociation or past or present. So I really feel like, what is on the ground? Like, what is holding you? Whether it be your feet, whether you're lying down, whether you're standing, any of those things, whether you're sitting, what do you feel actually holding you? So I always start my classes with an opening 
practice. So again, that could be multitude. That could be meta meditation, which is loving kindness meditation. That could be just a sensation, almost kind of like a sand timer, kind of grounding yourself. I do something called elevator breathing, where you're just dropping in floor to floor. Then we get into about 45 minutes of a physical practice. And again, that is a practice to meet people where they're at. I have some people in a class of 20 that are practicing in a chair. I have others that are modifying. Some need to stand next to a wall. Awesome. Like I said, if yeah. you can breathe, you can practice yoga. Yeah. I always say comparison is a thief of joy. Like let's all just get together and celebrate what we are able to do. Like feed the positivity, not think of the lack of what we can't do. And then I always offer a practice called yoga nidra at the end of these classes. And yoga nidra literally translates to yogic sleep. So what that is, it's interesting because we spoke about relaxing a yeah. short time ago. And so using invitational language and really skillful cueing language, um, anything along those lines, I'm inviting people to actually, quote unquote, relax and come into that parasympathetic nervous system without saying, hey, calm down, stop thinking and relax. Yes. So that's really, that's the quote unquote kind of goal of the classes is to provide people an hour and a half opportunity to become safe, grounded in their body, breathe. While also telling them we all have the chitta vritti, as they call it in yoga, the mind stuff, the monkey mind. I have it as well. well that's why we continue to practice. Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the big take home here is that I'm informing people about your practice in trauma-informed mm -hmm. yoga and ha how this is out there in every community mm -hmm. and it's available for people. Mm -hmm. But really... All of us have this problem. All of us are worried about the the past, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, we the <laughs> you don't remember the fun stuff from your childhood, but the d embarrassing moments come up, uh, you know, uh -huh. time and time again. And sometimes we'll spend fifteen minutes in a car ride just daydreaming about the the possible argument that you're going to have with somebody mm -hmm. that isn't even happening. So we're constantly living in that monkey mind, in the ping pong between the past and the future. And so rarely are we experiencing life in the present. We had a uh, my psychologist on the show talking about meditation and mindfulness mm -hmm. and how it's important to to integrate this into your life on every level mm -hmm. um, whether you've suffered from trauma or not and the and and the the, the great uh, piece is just for everybody to get more to the present moment mm -hmm. and stop building these stories mm -hmm. you know tell the story when it's done look back and tell the story but mm -hmm. don't don't make the stories up in your head um, so so let's talk about is there a spirituality to this? Because that can be off-putting to some people, I like agree. me. <laughs> like you. Uh, so as I said, I am very fortunate that I grew up kind of steeped in Woodstock spirituality, whatever that means. And so, but what I really do, I do my best to make my classes really adaptable to everyone. Mm -hmm. As I said, I mean, I have had some people in the community say, I'm Catholic. I can't come to your classes because it's yoga. It's a sin. Mm -hmm. And there are a multitude of limbs of yoga. There are so many, and that's you know, what's so beautiful. There's so many different practices of yoga. There's bhakti yoga, which is much more devotional. There's chanting, which is beautiful. And these are all things that I participate in my personal practice. But in terms of what I offer to the community, it's not even, quote unquote, we don't chant. We don't om. We do bring our hands together and namaste at the end. And I say, the light in me honors the light in you. But I want to make my classes as adaptable, as welcoming, as safe, as invitational to everyone. So I really allow people an opportunity to come in of all faiths, of all beliefs. And like I said, we're really just learning to create time and present space in the present moment. 
So I don't preach anything about the yoga sutras. I don't preach anything about what you should be doing and how your yoga means, oh, you should be eating meat. You shouldn't curse. Any of those sorts of things. Please no cursing. <laughs> Please no cursing. Especially on the podcast. Okay. That's what Dana tells me all okay, the time. Okay, of course. Yes. <laughs> I got them all out. I got, like I said, the yayas out before I came today. <laughs> but again, and that's even more of a deeper conversation is like, what is somebody's yoga? You know, who am I to say to someone else? oh, I'm more spiritual than you because you practice or, oh, I eat meat or, oh, I don't eat meat. It's like, for me, I do my best to represent yoga as a physical, emotional, breathing, mental practice to bring us safely into the present moment and meet you where you're at on and off your yoga mat. And I can't say that enough as we were just saying. It's like yeah. yoga to me is much more than the hour and a half that we spend together stretching and breathing on the yoga mat. That's awesome. That is great. But yoga is right now, how mm -hmm. we are speaking to each other. Yoga is when you look at yourself in the mirror, are you telling you the, yourself those stories and ruminating about 15 years past? Like, yeah. are you yelling at your child all the time? Mm -hmm. Are you choosing food choices based on kind of a story from the past, kind of filling a void that you have? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. The... So the effectiveness of this. Mm -hmm. um, so for you, it's been personally effective. Mm -hmm. Do you have uh, other stories, like anonymous stories, of course, that you may be able to share that um, where you've seen this be transformational for people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a couple of examples of that. I mean, one thing is, that, you know, I know you're a pharmacist, you like facts kind of in the medical field. So yes. I did actually bring a study along that I Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm very prepared today. Oh, book learning. <laughs> book Fancy. Learning. Yeah. So um, through the Trauma Center, which is in Brookline, Massachusetts, they did a study where yoga was a complementary treatment for chronic PTSD. Hmm. And what they did, it was a randomized control study with the Trauma Center that found that short-term yoga programming was associated with reduced trauma symptoms in women who had otherwise kind of been ineffective to their trauma treatments. Oh. And so what they did was they took 64 women ages 18 to 58 with chronic treatment resistant, unresponsive, and they were randomly assigned 10 weeks of this yoga programming, trauma-informed yoga, all of the things that we spoke on, invitational language, no hands-on assist. And at the end of the treatment, the yoga group had significantly decreased their PTSD symptoms compared to the control group. And it actually said that 52% of the yoga group no longer met criteria for chronic PTSD compared to 21% in the control group. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, so there's that. And then- Yeah, that's, from, yeah, that's the, the data. That's the data. And you have anecdotes of the wazoo, I'm sure, of right? Of course, yeah. I mean, there's my own personal practice where I said I've been able to actually face some of the people that have harmed me in this very small town community. And I genuinely, I kid you not, I They're see They're still them. around? They're still around. <laughs> Man. Man. <laughs> that's yeah. heavy. That is. But I realized, like- Does I that have, make you angry? I'm an angry person. I don't know if you've you've gained that from me. <laughs> I was gonna say you're a funny person to me. I'm pretty funny, but I, I like I really that's the thing that I try to work on is you sure. know letting go and and not trying not to be so controlling uh -huh. and like how difficult that would be uh -huh. to you know uh, to get them out of your head, living there rent free and occupying that space. So do you get angry about this? So as I know, you wanted me to kind of share some personal anecdotes as well with regards to the person that I am speaking about who mm -hmm. did some harm to me as a child. I genuinely, you know, full disclosure, have done a multitude of somatic therapies, healing, meditation, and forgiveness has been a huge thing for me. So I can genuinely say without a quiver of a doubt as I'm feeling my body here speaking to you, I am no longer angry at them. I'm saying this now in my mid-30s. Talk to me in my 20s. Yeah. Very different. Rage very, very, machine. very yes. different mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. You know, and anger does have a place. Anger can sometimes be a catalyst for change. But kind of as you were just saying, living rent-free in your head What's done is done. These experiences, these things in the past. So if anyone is carrying toxicity still in their body, in their brain, that's really affecting me. 
And again, I don't want to compare myself to anyone else's healing story. Like I can sit here very frankly and have a conversation about me too and the things that have happened to me, which no longer affect me. But I completely respect all of the people that you spoke about who've had minor infractions, major ones. It is their choice whether they ever stand up or say anything. And I respect their courage just as much if they never say anything. Yeah. So I really, with regards to certain people and situations, I do not have anger because if anything, that's just holding me back in my life. Absolutely. Forgiveness is less about like you being able to uh, have a relationship with somebody else, but just really just letting go and not carrying any of that with you anymore. You know, mm-hmm. forgiveness isn't saying, oh, they're okay. They're an, a good person because they're not. What they did was bad. Of what course. they did was horrible. Mm-hmm. And it's more about you just dropping it and, and not carrying that with that load with you. Of you course. Know? And let me say that takes practice day after day. Wrestling a bear. After, yeah. I yeah mean, you're wrestling like, a bear, eating an elephant. It's yeah. impossible. Like it is a constant battle sure. uh, that you're facing because the, uh, you know, I tell people that the the six times a day you get an opportunity to make the right choice around eating. Oh, you know? that's a whole nother podcast that I need to be <laughs> emotional eating. That's my, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Six times a day if you just eat around meals, but if you get a little spazzed out like I do and go for cookies and cakes, yeah, then it's 52 times yeah. a day. But you have eight times a day, uh, six times a day to make a, a, a mindful choice. Now think about how many moments there are in a day of Mm -hmm. thought. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, hundreds of thousands Mm -hmm. of those moments uh, that are coming up and that you have to deal with time and time again. And, you know, again, to be fair, if you really assessed your life, you would notice that most of those moments are meh, you know, there's there's nothing really going on. They're not like heavy high or heavy low for most of us. And sometimes there's those low moments and sometimes there's those high moments. So we have to take the whole picture and realize that, you know, that everything's good good. Everything's okay. You know, you're doing great. This is pretty amazing that you can live in the same community with somebody that altered the course of your life to some degree. You know, the other thing is what you've been able to turn that into, mm-hmm. you know, to, to turn that into a path for healing for other people, especially mm-hmm. in this community. So mm-hmm. how do we fix the system that allowed that to happen to you? Now, that's a big question. I was going to say, like, well, a big I got to take a breath. Yeah. We got to have like a symposium on this. <laughs> um, we can get back to that. Well, one, you know, what one thing that I am doing is, you know, as we said, be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. I am one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have so much support through the community, through my personal resources and friends and partners and family members, also through the community. You know, one thing that we can do is just raise awareness, have these conversations that, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago were quote unquote difficult. And yeah. I'd say what I've seen is I've seen the conversation about intimate partner violence and sexual assault and trauma of all forms really be brought to the forefront quite abruptly by some of the things that we've seen in the news. And I think that it's just important having these conversations again and again and again and having support for survivors. So really, as myself, kind of quote unquote fixing it, unfortunately, these are things that are never going to to end. You know, and I human and I, behavior, I, human it. behavior. Yeah. And I also don't have rose colored glasses by thinking that, oh, my classes are the solution. Let me yeah. also say I continue to work in conjunction with therapists, psychiatrists. So I don't think that yoga is the end all fix. You know, it's like if you have your therapist, amazing. Yoga is a complementary integrative tool as well. Some of the things that are happening is Ulster County right here alone, you know, where we're residing and having this podcast is working a lot of things behind the scenes in the mental health community to make the county, quote unquote, more trauma informed. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing. I mean, through my programming, which has been with the county since 2017, we're offering our classes for free. So that's a resource. There are other things that we're doing to just really continue to, you know, fix some of the wrongs. I don't think that these things will ever go away. Yeah. But how can we just continue to create 
resources and again, choices, as you said, for people to have choices to choose safe spaces, safe resources. Yeah, I mean, the strength of, of the change starts with a single person just taking the initiative to to move the, the ball forward. So mm-hmm. definitely needed and, and, and help. So I think I cut you off, though, when we were talking about the example. So I want to hear some 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 real life examples about how this has worked in your life. So okay. Um, so some of the things that I have experienced firsthand, so I've worked in homeless shelters, I've also worked in domestic violence shelters, and some of the stories that I've heard, I've had women who have practiced my classes who are having to go in and out of the legal system and the court system. I've had a lot of the women come up to me and say, hey, Tara, I can feel my feet on the ground now when I'm having to face my abuser, when I'm having to go to DSS, Department of Social Services, and ask for services for myself and my children. They were like... I'm doing my yoga breathing and I feel calmer. I can sleep better. I mean, even from a more nutritional standpoint, I've had women in my classes that say like they've been, you know, stopped up and haven't been able to use the bathroom in a week. And then a class with me, they're kind of more able to, you know, breathe and function more freely. Again, I'm not going to give myself the credit for that. Yeah. I didn't invent. So you can cure constipation. I can cure constipation. No, absolutely no, you know, (laughs) definitely disclaimer there. But Mm -hmm. no, these are practices again. They are things that have helped me. It is my mission to pay it forward and share it in a safe and available way to everyone. So whether it be through breathing practices, I mean, one of the things that we can even share on this podcast that everyone can try, something called a longer exhalation. So just actually genuinely just extending your exhalation a beat or two longer is one of the quickest, most scientifically proven ways to get into that parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest part of our body out of the fight or flight nervous system. So it's like, try it perhaps sometime when you're in the grocery checkout line yeah. or with your children. You know, you say you don't practice yoga. Like, it's all yoga it's to It's all me. yoga. It's all yoga. So, all right, let's do some more. Give me some more stuff that I can do at home in the car while I'm listening to a podcast besides having a bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> of course it went there in the conversation. I you know. Everybody poops. I love talking about <laughs> digestion. Okay. It's my favorite topic in the in the pharmacy and in the wellness space. So, okay. um, but go ahead. So yeah, let's talk about some stuff that people can just do without having to go to a class or find somebody that can instruct them in this way. What can somebody listening to this do today? So today, like I said, um, so if people notice their quote unquote monkey mind coming up, bring it back. You know, I think a lot of what people do is they kind of have these judgments. So a lot of the times when people have these judgments, even the self-talk that they're telling themselves, which is interesting because you've done some podcasts on mindfulness and meditation, and often people think of meditation as just quieting the mind. In my opinion, it's kind of BS. Like we yeah. all are going to have thoughts constantly. You can't quiet the mind. We can't, you know, and it, you know, it's not about quieting the mind. It's about understanding that the mind is going to be loud. The mind is going to be loud and it's going to be quieter for some. And the thing that I think that is really interesting is yoga and meditation isn't about having no mind and no thoughts. And again, there are a multitude of different meditation practices from compassion, metta, loving kindness, letting go. I am not a master of them. Mm. I have practice that has worked for me that I'm always constantly evolving and growing in and sharing with others. I think the thing that's interesting is so, you know, right here, right now, if a thought comes up, we often either, A, as you said, run away with the thought and then you go, holy crow, 15 minutes have passed. Mm -hmm. Or we judge ourselves like, oh, we were bad or, oh, we're not good enough. So I think that's something that's really important is, again, just being compassionate and as kind with ourselves as possible. And again, that is a practice. I mean, I have to practice on the daily. I spent years having negative self-talk and harsh judgments towards myself. So in the here and now, if someone listening to this, you know, just in their daily practice, if their mind begins to wander, okay, welcome to the human race. Yes. Take a breath. Feel where either your feet are on the ground if you're standing. 
feel where your seat is in your chair or if you're lying down. And then just perhaps I invite you to add a little breath, come back to the present moment. Right. And just be in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Like I said, other tools that are really adaptable that can be used right here, right now, just practice lengthening your exhalation a beat or two longer. Just noticing, getting into that parasympathetic part of our body that wants to inherently heal. Let's talk about what you were saying about uh, what's holding you right now. I love that that mm-hmm. metaphor and uh, and such because that's a great mindfulness trainer uh, to, to teach people how to be aware of what's going on in the present right now mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so go tell people like if I'm new to your class, how do I how do I experience that? Okay, so as I said in my classes, what I often do in the beginning of classes and actually throughout, because as I said, the trauma informed training is definitely a skill in terms of languaging, in terms of adaptability. So throughout the class, I will often cue my students, hey, notice what's touching the floor. What is holding you? Whether that be your feet. Maybe think about your feet having roots. If you're lying down, feel the backside of your body. Notice what's in touch with the earth. If it's your seat. And I will continually, through the hour and a half class, continue to remind people. You know, and, and, and I have enough experience and skill as a teacher that it doesn't sound repetitive or redundant. There's new ways to cue it or ask it, you know, or be really curious. And that's the thing, as I just said the word curious, the yoga practice is about being really curious with what is. You know, having gone to thousands of yoga classes in my whole life, sometimes I come in blissed out and excited. Other times mm-hmm. I come in super agitated and hyperactive in my thoughts, knowing that. And so your practice is going to be different each and every time. But in terms of holding you, like I said, the ground, the earth, like the world longs to carry you and be a safe space. For many reasons, it has been dysregulated. As I said, whether we've had severe big T traumas or just turning on the news can be super dysregulating and traumatic for some people or being in Especially traffic. in Woodstock, it seems. They're yeah. really hyped up about the president. Yeah. Really oh, yeah. I'm okay. selling a lot of Xanax to I'm going to stay very hands off <laughs> with regard. This does not need to be a political conversation <laughs> for me. Maybe another podcast. So like I said, I want everyone to come to my classes. You're welcome and safe. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I said everyone can benefit from yoga, mm-hmm. even the president. <laughs> even the president. <laughs> even the press. So, yeah. So with regards to that, it's just really, you know, I really want people to feel that in the present moment, in their day to day, you know, whether or not you know, you're working downstairs and you're a pharmacy, if you're having kind of a stressful interaction with a client, what can you do in that present moment? To ground yourself. It's feeling your feet on the ground, perhaps taking a longer exhalation. Nobody even needs to know that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what's really awesome. I often will be in the grocery checkout line. And in the past, I used to, you know, either dissociate and look at my phone or pick up the, you know, the tabloid magazines. And now often what I'll just do is a practice. It's almost kind of like one of my teachers has the Buddha in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So it's like practicing mindfulness as much as possible. Again, I am not immune to anger. I'm not immune to mouthing off at my mother. Yeah. I'm not immune yeah, to distress, <laughs> any of those sorts of things. But again, it's just, you know, the Sharon Salzberg, who's a mindfulness teacher, says we can always begin again. So yeah. for me, it's about forgiveness. It's about continually just bringing yourself back to the present moment again and again and again. And being kind with yourself, even if you notice you've gone 15 minutes off in the past of your story of like, oh my gosh, the most embarrassing thing that happened on the playground. Cool. Mm-hmm. How can we begin again? Wonderful. This sounds like an amazing way for people to heal. And, uh, you know, affordability definitely comes into it. And we've talked about how the county mm-hmm. is doing free classes and, and you know, yoga normally has a cost associated with it. So is this something because it's a therapy modality that would be covered by an insurance potentially or? 
Yeah, so interesting question. I do not have all the answers. To my knowledge, some providers of health insurance, I think if you do work for an organization or a corporation or certain businesses, do actually give stipends, to my knowledge, to their participants. As they should. As they should. And their employees to, you know, go to fitness classes, go to yoga classes. I do not have all the details and information, so I'm also not going to pretend like I do. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that it wouldn't be the case, but, uh, you know, potentially there may be a niche in that regard where there is some yoga practitioners that are set up as uh, insurance providers. But maybe that's out there. But is there a national resource? Because we would hope that more than just people from Woodstock uh, hear this podcast where people could go to find resources around uh, trauma-informed yoga. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, such sites set up? Yeah, so there there are a couple sites. So one organization that I work for, I work for a nonprofit organization called Exhale to Inhale. Mm. We were started in 2013 by Zoe LePage. And since 2013, we've offered free trauma-informed yoga to female survivors of intimate partner violence and sexual assault. We are a bi-coastal national organization. So we do have classes on the West Coast and a multitude of classes in New York City and the boroughs as well. So people that are living in that area, they mm-hmm. can go to www.exhaletoinhale.org and we we do offer a couple free public classes during the week. And then we also have my classes that are available as a resource to the community. And those are offered in spring sessions and fall sessions. And people can go to my website, which is tarasanders.net. And then with regards to other resources, I have to say it's like I don't have all the answers. If you're living in a small town and you are interested, like Google. Like Google yeah. be your friend. Yeah. Uh, county Health Department too, uh, mm-hmm. to see. Uh, is Ulster County kind of a leader in this or is there other counties in our state? A big state, I would say, New York, mm-hmm. right? Uh, are there other counties that are participating in these kinds of treatments? So I, I've gone to a lot of trainings throughout the country, and I do hear that there are niches of places like in D.C., in Virginia, in other states, in Jersey. So I think that I'm really thankful that it is kind of an up-and-coming thing. And as I said, I'm not reinventing the wheel, so it's not like this is the first program of this sort that has happened. I'm just super proud and thankful and grateful that since 2017, Ulster County has been making these resources available for free. So in terms of a leader, it's like, I haven't heard that much in our local area. If you mm-hmm. have, please inform me no, and let no. me know. So I'm really happy to kind of be on the forefront of this. But no, you know, yoga was, you know, kind of quote unquote created thousands of years ago. Yeah. So this is nothing new. I think that just reach out to teachers in the community that you know, ask certain health provider services. And yeah, just I hope that more and more attention gets brought to the practice of trauma-informed yoga and that there's more available resources to everyone. And you're making yourself available if yoga teachers wanted to start a practice like this, mm-hmm. they could reach out to you and, mm-hmm. and start yeah, the conversation. Yeah, I do, I do mentor a lot of teachers. I have these conversations. And as I said, I mean, I am just one woman and I am yeah. not trying to monopolize. I was like, the more people no. that know this practice yeah. and that share it, yeah. amazing. Like I work with a very specific population. I know women actually in our area, they go into the prisons. I know mm-hmm. people that are working with children, Wonderful. people that are working more with veterans. Like I have my skill set that I am pretty attuned and committed to working with. Again, it's like, spread the good gospel yes. of trauma-informed yoga and just yoga and mindfulness and kindness and just keep on keeping on. So Tara, thank you for one, doing the work. Thank you. Two, bringing this to light. And three, coming on the podcast and sharing it with our people. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, not informed on yoga, obviously. So yes. this has been very eye-opening for me. So thank, thank you. you so very much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I personally learned a lot from this conversation. I'm so grateful there are people like Tara out there helping people cope in such a welcoming and inclusive environment. If you want to connect with Tara, visit tarasanders.net, and that is T-A-R-A, Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S.net. 
and you can email her at Tara, T-A-R-A, at tarasanders.net. You can also visit exhaletoinhale.org for more information about that program. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.